Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Inside the Mirror Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle David. If you didn't know, now you know. Back with another episode. I'm excited for today's guest. This is somebody I've been super pumped to talk to. And as we get into it, it'll make more sense. But um, this is somebody who uh, has been a, a good friend to me the past eight months or so since I met him. And uh, uh, I won't go too far into it because you guys know I have the gift of gab. But he's a husband. He's a father. He's a sales leader. He's an executive. Um, he's, a, he's a lot of things. And he could tell you more. Um, but today I have with me Jeremy Bonet. Uh, the VP of sales at a high growth startup. You may have heard of it if you know me, leader. Um, and if you do know me, you have heard of it. But anyways, Jeremy Bonet is with us today. JB, thanks for being with us, man. Thanks for having me. I'm really, really excited. And I heard that you've done over 100 episodes. Is that right? Yeah, this is going to be like 111. Oh, congrats. That's amazing. Why'd you start the podcast? I'm sure you've told, you've told mm. people many times before, but give us a refresher. Yeah, man. I, uh, I just listened to a lot of podcasts and I was like, well, I like to communicate. I like to talk to people. Why don't I just record myself talking to people so other people can listen to me? Yes. And there it began. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Thanks for being on. Of course. Well, yeah, man. Like, I'm going to ask you the first question. Kind of give us like your background, the five, seven minute origin story of who you are, where you came from. What are you all about? Love it. Probably won't be five to seven minutes, but uh, I'll, I'll give <laughs> a little bit want. of backstory. Um, yeah, so I am a dad, like you mentioned. Um, I feel like right now my life really in, kind of consists of two primarily primary missions, and the first one is building a family. I have a, a wife. Uh, her name's Anna. She's amazing. I'm six seven. She's like five one. So totally opposite it. in that regard, but it, it works. And we have two little ones, uh, Brennan, who's two, and then Beckett, who's five weeks. So if you're watching this, you'll see some bags under the eyes. Uh, the five weeks. Yeah. Way. Thanks, man. Not getting a lot of sleep, but uh, enjoying being a dad of two now. Um, so that's that's really the I think the primary mission, and then. Also, uh, like you mentioned, on this mission of developing a million leaders at Leader, and that's been exhilarating and crazy. So the opportunity to develop people through the company and then within the company, building out the sales org, meeting amazing people like yourself and investing in people like yourself is a um, dream come true for me. So that's where I spend most of my time and energy right now. I grew up in Seattle area. And uh, hit some rocky patches, and I'm sure we, we can chat more about that. Uh, and found my way to Arkansas via a rehab in Arkansas, and I can dig into that. Uh, and ended up going to school there, met my wife Anna there, lived there for a bit, moved back to Seattle after traveling in New Zealand for five months, actually walked the country of New Zealand, and uh, met uh, some folks at PushPay at a tech startup there that eventually started Leader, and they wanted to move to uh, the, the greatest country in the country, Texas. Come on. And uh, here I am two years later. actually moved here two years ago today, I realized, and uh, we're in McKinney, which is a little bit northeast of Dallas, and Texas has grown on us. I'm not quite ready to admit that Whataburger is better than In-N-Out. <laughs> I'm not quite there, but I'm, I'm getting close. I will say it's, it's uh, slowly moving up uh, in my mm. book. But um, 
yeah, that's a little bit about me and feel free to I don't know, dig into any particular piece of that. I'm an open book, but, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. By the well, way, one of your goals is yeah. to gain two pounds. If you're, can you give me, <laughs> give me, give me like I told you, bro, the goal is to gain two pounds a month, <laughs> not just it. in general. I, I don't, it. that would be, that's like saying like, I want to pay my rent. Like at some point, <laughs> does the goal of gaining two pounds a month stop? Because well, after a while that can get a little out of hand, right? You know what? I got like, a long ways to go. You know, I was sick and some of my friends know I was sick. So I lost a lot of weight. So the, well, the average, change. the average American lives till what? 78. So mm-hmm. if you, if you go another 45 years, two pounds a month, that's like that. times 12 times two, <laughs> somebody needs to do the math on that, but I'm pretty sure you're going to want to stop that goal at some point. Like 570 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Ooh. Hey, again, shoot for the moon, right? Come on. Yeah. Yeah, no, it. bro. Uh, it, it'll it'll change. That's that's for the year. Two pounds a month for the year. So twenty four pounds in total. We'll it. see how that works are you, out. Are you lifting or just? I'm just about to you. start lifting. Nice. <laughs> just just nice. eating. I'm just gonna... <laughs> that's awesome, man. Lack of physical well activity. Well done. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. One thing that I I really think that uh, that I like about you and I that we have similarities is is we're visionaries. We have a lot of dreams. We're very much uh, future sighted. Um, but also something I've learned from just watching you and, and obviously you handling your family and work that I really respect about you is you're very future minded, but you also bring it back to what, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Right. Like we've talked about um, balance and uh, things that you can do in the micro to get you to where you want to be in the macro. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to backtrack a little bit before we dive into like kind of your entrepreneurial spirit. The you, you mentioned it, the journey through uh, some rehab struggles or addiction, I guess rehab's the the end of the struggle, hopefully. But the kind of the journey with through addiction and and just the struggles that kind of brought you to that point. Can you kind of dive into like what what was that all about? Yeah. So I found myself uh, in rehab three times actually. So mm. one of those was close to the end of the struggle. The other ones were mid struggle. Um, for me. It was a shame and guilt cycle that that got out of hand. I I'm not sure, you know, uh, how much I buy into the the labels that get thrown around in that uh, in that kind of environment. Addict, alcoholic, and for some people that's helpful. For me, it wasn't. For me, I uh, I was in a pretty gnarly shame cycle that manifests itself in addiction because that's how I knew how to kill the shame. And of course that worked for a period of time and then it wore off and I'd have more shame than I did before. And I'd go back to something to a greater degree and then so on and so forth. So that was a tailspin I found myself in, in uh, kind of 2007 to 2010. And um, it was a very humbling time because most all my friends were kind of going along the, the path of life, the normal path of life, going to college, good schools. And here I was completely taken out of the, the normal kind of status quo looking at it now and in, uh, in rehab, which is nowhere that anybody expects to be and can be really humiliating in a lot of ways. Um, but I mean, by the grace of God, was able to use that opportunity to um, get well 
and get out of that shame and guilt cycle. And for me, it, it really what, what saved my life was just radical transparency hmm. because the, the darkness was where that, that shame cycle would manifest and, and build. And so by being real with people that I trusted, um, I realized that uh, being, being in the light actually took the power of those, uh, those addictions away. So that was, that, that's a, obviously a, you know, a short version of the story. Uh, but, um, through that, I, you know, started dreaming again, as I thought about having a, a life that, uh, I wanted to be meaningful, right? Because for a while I thought my life was just going to go down the tubes. That's the way I saw it going. And when I got hope again, I got kind of a a spark under me and started dreaming about, hey, what's the impact that I want to make on this earth? And um, started dreaming pretty big. And my paradigm sort of shifted over time and it's gotten bigger and bigger. Uh, But I knew I just wanted to make an impact on people. I wanted to build a family, a healthy family. I wanted to be a good dad. I wanted to be a good husband. And then I wanted to make an impact on people. And I didn't know what that would look like, but I knew that was a passion of mine because I saw what uh, it did for me when there were people that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and decided to put in the work and invest in me when they had no business doing so. And so I figured, Hey, the least I can do is pay that forward and, uh, and help others work through whatever it might be. It might be addiction, lack of confidence, lack of vision, uh, whatever, but that's really kind of what I've decided to dedicate my life to is paying it forward. And one more thing I'll say, and I'll stop talking, but, uh, kind of with that, I think I also got a bit of a chip on my shoulder, right? Um, when you are kind of the black sheep and you get put in the spotlight in a negative, a negative manner, at least I did, I, it fired me up. I wanted to prove people wrong. I wanted to prove people, to prove to people that I was going to make something of my life and that I was capable. And so that drove me uh, probably more than it should have in my early mid twenties and it was a powerful motivator. But, uh, as I gotten further and further away from, you know, being the, the screw up and being the black sheep, that's been less of a motivator. Uh, but I think early on, that's what got me. So it got me going and fired me up, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been crazy to see over the last 10 years, where God has taken my life and my, my family. It's unbelievable. I heard Donald Miller say this on a podcast the other day, like what somebody can accomplish uh, and how somebody can grow in, in 10 years. I think we underestimate that a lot of times, you know, the day to day gets really mundane, Mm -hmm. but the culmination of, you know, 365 days over 10 years can be pretty powerful. So I, I, I think I'm just scratching the surface, hopefully, God willing, but I'm grateful if I think about, you know, sitting in rehab 10 years ago or whatever, um, where, you know, God has, has taken me and, and my family 
uh, in the in that time. That's huge. Thanks for sharing yeah. that, man. Yeah, I think that's powerful. I think what you said there, radical transparency, is something that I've had to learn too, right? Because those that know me and you kind of know my story a little bit, very similar, right? Uh, you know, ended up in rehab, had a bunch of addiction issues, and and knew that I was just like you, I think. And I want to ask you about that. I knew that I had amazing potential in me, mm. but there was that that uh, that outward perspective that I was had of me that that did put that chip on my shoulder of I'm going to prove these people wrong, and it did become unhealthy to to a point. But did you always know though that you were capable of great things? I don't know. I uh the the funny thing is um i think your like our paradigm can like will just like it shifts over time as we continue to grow like my my definition of great things like mm-hmm. 10 years ago uh was so small uh because that's all i could really manage that's all my my brain could could really manage or dream of like uh, i remember i had a i had a, a dream when i was like 21 that i would start a uh a drink company uh that sold strawberry lemonade and iced teas i was going to call it the stronald palmer and my 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 mentality was <laughs> ah, that i love it yeah my mentality was that if i could get that thing to market and if i could make that company successful then my life was complete Right. Uh, and it's funny because like at that time in my life, that was a BHAG, like a bold, hairy, audacious vision and dream that was bigger than anything I could have imagined. But as we grow, as we go throughout our life and we get more kind of wins under our belts, I think we are able to dream bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where, um, even I think in 10 years from now, I'll laugh at the things that I'm striving for today, you know, because my paradigm will be even greater at, at that stage. And I think you, you as well, right. Um, the, maybe one example of that is, uh, you know, I, I run 50 Ks like every, you know, maybe two or three times a year. And when I tell people like, who don't run that I run 50 K's. They're like, wait, what? Right. Like you run 31 miles. Like I didn't even know that was humanly possible. Like, are you kidding me? So, cause their paradigm's so small, but when I'm in the running community and people are running a hundred mile races, 200 mile races, 50 K is like the cute little like weekend warrior race. Right. right. And so it really is based on kind of your, your paradigm and your perspective. And so I don't know how I got on that rabbit trail. What was the question you asked? Yeah, I just asked if you always knew that you were capable of great things. And you were just saying like, oh, you're basically saying it's just the power of compound interest almost. Yeah. Right. Like you're saying, as you get wins, the wins stack on each other and they start to compound to where your vision 10 years ago, my vision 10 years ago, which was I was just going to learn how to run Taco Bells and then buy Taco Bells and then ride off into the sunset. But that was like at that time in your life, that was as big of a vision as you probably could have had you know right right. i was so not sober (laughs) (laughs) there you go and then 10 years from now you'll you'll laugh at the fact that you know your vision today is what it is i think that's just how it works i agree with you yeah so you real quick you mentioned that um 
the chip on your shoulder was a, a pretty big motivator for you early on is like, yeah, yeah. is that something you still are oh, motivated okay. by a hundred percent? Okay. What happens I don't mean that's a hundred percent of my motivator. I mean that that's a, it's a factor, a hundred percent, a factor. I think okay. it's become less and less though. Um, honestly, it started when I was young, when I was, I was homeschooled for a while, you know, as a son of a pastor, a little bit socially ostracized because I was just in the church circles and being homeschooled. So when I went into public school and people were kind of like, oh, new guy, whatever, whatever. That's where the, I, I can remember vividly the chip be began or it was placed on my shoulder of, oh, okay, you guys don't want anything to do with me or I'm kind of the outcast. Well, that's great. And then I wasn't always the greatest at sports. So that just added to the chip because I was like, oh, okay, you guys think because I'm not great at sports, I can't do great things. So I was always like, well, what can I do? I know I can do amazing things, but what is it? And nobody thinks that it's this. It's not being cool. It's not being great at sports. What is it? Right. And so that's kind of the chips kind of stacked. Right. You can compound things in a negative way as well. But I think that for me, and maybe you can speak to this, the chip has gotten lighter as I've realized and I've leaned into my faith and been like, God has a purpose for me and there is a plan for me. And it's not my job to figure it all out. It's my job to put in the work and trust the process and trust that he does have good things for me. And that that lightens the load. Now I'm a human man. At times I'm like, I got to prove to the world that I can do great things. But yeah. also on the other side of that, I'm like, I don't have to prove to anybody anything. So yeah. there's that tension there. Yeah. What, what would you say to that? I don't know. As yeah, it's good. I think it's, it's like the difference between running from and running to. Hmm. I think the the chip on the shoulder, because you and I were uh, outcasts or were considered failures, and yep. that probably by your normal person in the, our darkest times, uh, we were we wanted to kind of run from that, right? And that I think that there's value in that, but I think it's temporary. At some point, you get far enough away from that to where the motivation to run from it is you know, much lower. And so you have to have something that you're, you're running towards. Uh, and so for, for, for me, it, it has sort of shifted from running from to running towards. And that's why you gotta be really clear about your vision and your purpose. And I think that's where faith comes in mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, making an impact for, for the kingdom mm -hmm. and identifying how you're best suited to make that impact. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I, I think that that is like the journey of life, right? Is like realizing where your identity is, what, what your identity is in, and then what obviously you and I are believers. So we know our identity is rooted in Christ and then determining what gifts has he given me and how do I execute upon those? Because I think a lot of times people look outside to identify their gifts from others or from culture or from external things. And they go, well, I want to be like that. But sometimes that may not be your gifting, right? So I think yeah. having people around you and understanding your gifting is so key to being able to execute on a vision, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, okay, so let's just let's this just say call this out. You're the you're the VP of sales at a high growth startup, and you were saying ten years ago. First you of were all, titles start... don't they don't mean anything. they don't mean anything. Hey, I was a director for I was a director for a year. Yeah, but I, I wanted the, to go to the highest. I, I was the only person. <laughs> I was the only person in the org. So I was the go director on. of myself who mm, funny enough director. is probably the hardest person to lead. So anyway, I cut you off. Keep going. No, you're good. Um, no, but you're right. Titles don't matter, but they do matter. Cause 
we, we need clicks and we want people to get excited and be like, oh my gosh, he's the VP of what? And then lean in. So it's <laughs> selfishly, that's why I said that. Um, but as somebody that's like now at a position to, I love the word decacorn. It gets me geeked every time I talk about it, but we're building a decacorn startup that's just going to blow the roof off of things. But 10 years ago, you wanted to start a strawberry lemonade beverage company. So talk yep. about, you know, talking about vision changing, what was the journey as far as the successes that you stacked, you're part of PushPay. What were some of those wins that compounded to get you to where you are now? Good, good question. Yeah, like I said, I wouldn't have dreamed that could be a VP of sales of a you know hundred plus employee hypergrowth startup ten years ago. Uh, I just didn't have the paradigm for it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I still uh, at times really struggle with the imposter syndrome feeling like mm. they got the wrong guy, you know? Um, and I think if we're all honest that imposter syndrome's, you know, real, uh, and can be, uh, crippling if we don't, you know, uh, properly work through that. And, um, but anyway, I, I, uh, when I was in rehab the last time I was void of passion and, uh, that's a really hard place to be. I, I don't, I'm sure you can resonate with that when you're kind of feeling lifeless. And for me, the only thing that really gave me life was temporary harmful partying and the, the all the things that got me to rehab. <laughs> um, and so I was just like really semi hopeless. I was wondering if I'd ever get passionate about something that was healthy ever again in my life. Mm. And so uh, I met somebody when I was there who was working there and he had hiked the Appalachian trail. And um, when I first started talking to him, I didn't really understand what it was and found out that there was a trail that went all the way from Georgia to Maine, 2,200 miles. And I could not believe it. Like my mind was blown but I just found myself like gravitating towards that adventure and just like the idea of every single day, seeing something completely different and the challenge of it. And I just started asking all these questions and I just found like for the first time in years, this passion was welling up from within me. And I was like, I, I don't know if I should, uh, should be doing that or not. But I know one thing that this is the first time I felt passion and I, and I want nothing more than just more of that, more of that. And so I just like for three months when I was there, just peppered him with questions. And I, by the end, I'm like, I, I gotta do this. Like I gotta follow my heart on this because, um, I, I'm just passionate about it. And I'm just like gravitating towards something that gives me life again. Right. And, um, I also was like really alert by the challenge of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was seeing that Appalachian trail adventure as an opportunity for me to prove to myself that I could do something hard and I could finish something mm -hmm. that I started. Mm -hmm. Right. I had gotten so sick of being the guy who would say stuff and do another and would live kind of this double life. And I felt like that would really solidify this new beginning and this new version of myself by saying, I'm going to do this thing that's extremely hard and I'm going to complete it no matter what. And so I did it. 
uh, went to actually uh, halfway house after rehab for four months here in Dallas and just was reading every book possible on the Appalachian Trail. And I don't really like mm. love reading. So, you mm. know, if I'm reading books, like I'm freaking fired up. Right. And I was running, I was getting ready for it. And on March 15th, 2010, set out Springer Mountain, Georgia and completed on August 12th of 2010. And I remember I was so dead set on finishing that thing. That thing meant so much to me, this idea of like a new beginning and a new me that I was like, if I break my leg, I'm literally going to crutch my way to Maine. Like (laughs) I I was dead serious. Like there was nothing that was going to stop me from getting there. And for me, I think that was a huge kind of, I don't know, personal feather in my cap and in, 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 in like the sense of building confidence that I could do like kind of whatever I put my mind to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the first one. My wife and I actually four years after that uh, went and hiked New Zealand. So mm-hmm. the Northern tip of the North, North Island of New Zealand to the Southern tip of the South Island, similar idea, almost 2000 miles up and down mountains, all sorts of you know gnarly challenges. And that was another thing I'm like, well, like if I commit to something, no matter what the, the statistics are that uh, you're not supposed to finish it, like I can do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, there's you know, all sorts of, I think kind of personal, like a wins that, that stack up. I'm not a huge believer of the idea that you just like look at yourself in the mirror and you just tell yourself that you're awesome. Like I, I actually think you have to have wins mm-hmm. um, that give you that self-confidence or what they call like self-efficacy, the idea that um, uh, I can do something. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of those over time just stacked up, not to say I didn't have a whole bunch of failures along the way, but a lot of those stacked up to where I would, you know, be able to face mountains, like, Hey, building the startup and say, okay, uh, this is going to be hard, but I know with a sense of commitment and a sense of resolve that I can do it because I've seen how that's played out in the past. Mm -hmm. That's huge. So, so as far as like, so you even said right there, you, you say this a lot and I love that you say this and I've, I've taken this too because I believe in it a, a lot. Mood follows action. Yeah. And that's basically what you're saying is this whole idea of look yourself in the mirror. You're incredible. You can do it. And then you just somehow just that just happens. There's a lack of action there. There's no action there. Yep. And I, I mean, that sounds I mean, that's incredible if someone can achieve that. But I don't think that's really a thing. Right. You have to take action. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you and you've taken a lot of action in your life. You've seen, um, in a business perspective, right? You've been a part of a business that went from very little to something massive, and now you're going back to something very little and building it into something massive again. Along the way, being very specific question, being in sales, being a salesperson, mm-hmm. um, what has being in sales taught you about yourself and about people that's helping you now in this current situation that you're in, building a new business? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot sales is tough. Uh, but I realized that there are, uh, there's skills and then there's traits Hmm. and those two are distinct and people confuse those quite often, but skills are things that 
you can be good at, then traits are elements of your character. Hmm. So what I mean by that is skills are things like time management, problem solving, negotiation, communication, so on and so forth. Traits are things like grit, resilience, like integrity, like tenacity, um, you name it, right? Elements of your character. And uh, over, I've been in sales now for like six years and I've developed tremendously, I think in both, but I am 10x more grateful for the traits that were developed than I am the skills. Because when you're facing rejection all day, every day, and you're having to decide to show up and put in the action regardless of your mood day in and day out, like that does something to you. Mm -hmm. And that translates into all facets of your life, right? So that translates into how I'm going to be a dad, how I'm a dad, right? How uh, I'm a husband. And when things get really hard in life, like, am I going to fold or am I going to do the hard thing and keep pushing no matter what I feel like, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I look back on my time in sales, these last six years, I uh, am extremely grateful for uh, the traits that were developed because I wouldn't, I, I'm 100% confident I wouldn't be the dad or the husband or, you know, human that I am today if it wasn't for uh, learning those things. And so uh, that's really why I'm passionate, most passionate about being a, a sales leader is mm-hmm. not to help people you know, better negotiate or be more effective on a cold call or whatever. I mean, those things are are great. It helps them make more money and accomplish their goals, but I get fired up about the traits that are going to help them 10, 20, 30 years from now. Dabo Sweeney says, we're about serving our our people, our people's hearts, not their talents. Right. Hmm. So that's why I love doing what I, what I get to do. Because I think in 20 years, I'll look back and, and be able to connect the dots to the, the times that somebody jumped into something they never thought they could do and develop those traits throughout the process. Like yourself, man. I mean, think about what traits, if you reflect on what, eight months in this role, mm-hmm. what traits you feel like you've developed through that time. Yeah, man, that's a, I, I agree with you there. Like, a very small window that I've been in this sales thing. And I, I don't even, I was talking to Joshua and Colby about this. I don't even see it as, uh, as me being a salesperson. I, I, I love that a lot of people, and I think you've described it as this too, is just being a helper, helping people find out like, Hey, do, is there some, some way that we can help you? And so for me, like, first of all, my perspective has shifted around sales of, I'm not trying to get someone to do something to benefit me. I'm actually trying to help them get to a place where they can understand if there's something that we can help them with. Yeah. So that's shifted everything in me. And it's just, for me, it's it's some of those words that you use, right? Grit, tenacity. <laughs> um, I love the the buffalo analogy of running into the storm. That's how I view it every day is like, look, man, there are some days where I'm like, this sucks. Like this past week, to be very candid, it sucked. I was like, I'm not getting any traction. The things I want to happen that I want to happen aren't happening. And I need to keep pressing on. I need to do more, right? Like I need to actually do more. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's just helped me develop that that mindset and continue to grow that mindset of 
grit and tenacity. Those are the two, the two things I think the most, but also, also trust, man, like, um, learning to trust several different entities. One, trust you and Matt and James and those that those are leaders for anyone listening uh, at leader <laughs> leaders at leader. It's always great to be redundant <laughs> without the second E without the E we kept you're not it. a hey, real tech company. If you have all your vowels, come on, where, come where on. is that E where did we put that E it's up. It, we left it up in Redmond, Washington. Okay. I think it's in one of my drawers. Good. Leave it there. We don't want it. <laughs> But no, man, that's, that, that's, that's really it is it's, it's just, you're, you're so right. It's, it's much more about, and that LinkedIn post, I reference it all the time for myself and for others Yeah. because you posted on LinkedIn and Matt sent that to me one day when I asked him a question and he didn't even give me an answer. He just pointed me to your post. Oh, he um, did. Yeah. <laughs> he just sent me the link to your post. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. It's, it's good, man. Sales is really about serving and solving mm-hmm. and, uh, I think that's why you're good at it. You have such a servant's uh, mentality and heart. And um, you used a word earlier called, uh, that was key. You said develop this like develop this mindset. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's sales is so powerful because I think really what grows you the most is failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really grow a whole lot from winning or being successful. And, uh, in sales, I mean, you're successful if you fail like seven out of 10 times, Ted Williams, and uh, he had a quote in baseball. He said, baseball is the only endeavor where a man could fail seven out of 10 times and still be considered successful. And I'm like, no, it's not true. You hadn't sold before <laughs> <laughs> sales on. is sales is the same way. Yeah. And, um, so because of that, you're constantly in a position to, to either choose to be developed or be defined mm-hmm. by failure. You can let failure define you or develop you and you're getting, you know, 10 opportunities a day to develop. Mm-hmm. And I don't know any other profession that you have that much opportunity for growth and development. And so I think that's that kind of 1% rule, maybe in sales, it's a 2% rule because it's accelerated. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, your role, your specific role is one of the hardest jobs you could possibly do. Hmm. And to do it for a year, uh, will you'll be able to look back on this time and point to, wow, okay, I've approached the situation that I'm in right now the way I'm approaching it because of what I developed then, right? And so you will be extremely grateful i know i am because i did the role for what a year did you um yeah that's why i have so much love and empathy for what sdrs Hmm. uh go through because i cut my teeth in it and i remember i remember how challenging it was man there's days Mm -hmm. i cried yeah same (laughs) you too i told told someone the other day i cry about five out of seven days a week whether it's a good cry or a bad cry you just need to get it out you know I love it. I love it. That's the authenticity like we talked about earlier. That's right? so true. I think the, uh, there's, I mean, Brene Brown's dedicated her life to authenticity and vulnerability, but it'll set you free in a, in a powerful way is just to be you. And actually also through vulnerability, you're giving other people a gift. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because the reality is, it's probably everybody on the team feels like crying seven out of five, you know, five out of seven out of five days. Right. <laughs> so tw- <laughs> twice, twice a day, on, twice a day 1. Yeah, 1. three no, times a day, five out of seven days. <laughs> but for them to see somebody as successful as you, who's also wrestling and struggling, they're going to feel uh, a opportunity to um, come out of isolation, you know, mm-hmm. Isolation is a really miserable place. It's probably the worst. It's probably the worst. One of the worst places you can be in life is feeling like you're alone. And when somebody's vulnerable about what they're going through, that gives them the gift to say, actually, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. And I now have somebody I can talk to about my struggles. And so by you being real like that, you're giving people a, a pretty powerful gift. I love the saying vulnerability breeds vulnerability, right? It does. Yeah. Right? You're just giving people permission, like by being authentic and being yourself, you're giving people permission. And on yeah. the opposite side of, of, of that as well, like uh, we were talking the other day and I really, man, shout out to Sydney. Sydney may or may not listen. Who knows? But She's me and her legend. just go back and forth sometimes about casting vision, right? Like you need sometimes like me, sometimes I get ahead of myself, which is, you know, whatever. Um, but I'm like, Sydney, just think about in five years when you're going to be here and we're going to be here and we're going to be doing this and this. And like, I can see the excitement. I see her get geeked. And then I, the other day she led a huddle where she was talking about casting vision. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it, I'm not saying it was because of me, but when you cast vision for people, you give them permission to also cast vision for themselves. Right. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times people again, I don't think you or me have lacked that. It's like you said, we've developed into having a larger paradigm, but I've always been able to be like, I want to do that and I could do that. But I know so many people that are like, I could never do that. I'll never be that. And that's just that's that, that's so great. They could do that. But I just couldn't, you know, so like like you're saying, like vulnerability breeds vulnerability, but also casting vision when you just do things that other people don't feel comfortable doing, you give them permission to do it. And that just excites the heck out of me. Anyways, that was a tangent. I want to ask you a very selfish, selfish question. Um, You have a lot on your plate, right? Like you have a much fuller plate than I do. And then most of us do. Um, You have a family. You obviously have to take care of yourself, right? Which is also a a portion of the plate. You're running a business. Um, You're leading it. Again, it's a hyper growth business. So it's not like Mm. you're just showing up and punching a clock. Like you, you have a massively full plate. What are like the daily tactics or things that you do to keep yourself balanced so one area doesn't get out of out of whack on in all the things that you have going on? Um, this might not be the answer you want to hear. <laughs> Give it anyways. We talked about being vulnerability. Real. I, I struggle with this. I actually been wrestling with something today, like mm. literally today. So a story for you. I okay. last night, 9 p.m. Day was crazy. And Anna and I finally get a, like a moment to sit on the couch and, and chat. And she is like, Hey, uh, wasn't tonight the guy's night for the kind of our church hangout. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, 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 I didn't see anything about it. And so I was like, let me go check. So I went over my phone and I see the guy who uh, led the guy's night had texted me one minute before and said, we missed you tonight. And I was like, dang, I, uh, I missed it. And I was actually looking forward to it, but it just got lost in the shuffle and fell through the cracks. And so then I called my buddy who 
went this morning. I'm like, Hey, did you go to the guys night last night? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, we missed you, but don't worry. I, I, uh, I get it. He's like, I told the guy who I texted, who texted me last night. He's like, that guy is literally the busiest human being. Like I think I've ever met. Um, and so it doesn't you know, surprise me that he wasn't able to make it tonight. And I'll be honest, when I first heard that, like I actually got a little bit of a sense of like, oh, like that's awesome. Like I'm, I'm important, I'm busy. And I, uh, as I've been processing that today, I realized that's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a problem that uh, whether it's somebody I care about at work or somebody I care about in my personal life, that I have this perception that um, I'm one of the busiest human beings they know. <laughs> and um, so I, that's why I said it's probably not the answer that you want to hear no, because I, I'm a work in progress and I sometimes let the urgent overwhelm the important. And I'm not saying I need to attend all social events, but you know the fact that I missed it and didn't communicate because I got too busy. I think that's a problem. Hmm. So uh, that's a really kind of fresh uh, story and kind of thought process because of that. Um, but a way to communicate, look, I'm don't have it figured out. I let, I think things that are pretty important fall through the cracks. Hmm. Um, I'm getting better. I would say, I think uh, Matt, our CEO says, if you have more than three priorities, you don't have any priorities at all. Mm-hmm. And so I try to take that to heart and really be clear about, hey, what are the things that I can actually impact and make sure I'm focused on those in my calendar and my attention's focused on those and say no to the rest. And when I, get, when I am good at that, then I feel like I do manage things pretty well. Um, but of course that's like a, almost takes like a daily refocusing because the world's so noisy and loud and so much is asked of us. And, uh, if we're not super clear on an ongoing basis of what our top priorities are, then Mm. things get jumbled and balls get dropped. So, um, I hope that that helps again. You're probably looking for a different answer, but I'm a work in progress, my friend. Thanks for being vulnerable, man. Like that, that answer actually, again, that was a selfish question. That was hopefully someone else gleans from that, but that was really for me. Um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Cause that hits me. I'm nowhere near as busy as you, but I've always kind of like idolized, like, man, I do a lot of stuff. Like I say yes to this. Yeah. I'll serve at church. Yeah. I'll be in the community group. Yeah. I'll help do this. Yeah. I'll do this. I'll do this. Oh, look at me, how busy I am, you know? And, uh, so uh, yeah. that's really cool to hear that. That actually speaks to me probably more than you, probably more than, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If somebody said, man, Kyle's like the, probably the busiest human I've ever met. Like, what would you think about that? How would you feel about that statement? I think I'm in the same place as you, man. I think the first reaction would be very arrogant and be like, yeah, man, you're right. I'm just running around helping people. Look at me, you know? And yeah. the second one is, uh, Man, uh, and and for me specifically, at this stage of my life, I'm learning like I've done a very poor job of like really resting. Um, and what I mean by that is like finding intentional time to just like enjoy my life 
and just be myself and be with, be with the Lord and, and just enjoy things and not, not put this, this idol of busyness, uh, uh, yeah, make busyness an idol to where I'm like, if I'm always doing something, then I'm achieving. And and to your point about having so many priorities, you're really not achieving anything other than moving really quick and getting micro things done in yeah. 17 different places. You know what I mean? Yeah. If Bob Goff can put his phone number in the back of his book and answer just about every time you call, Dang, that's incredible. then there's no excuses for us. Mm-hmm. Like that guy's about impact. He's not about busyness. Yeah. So I strive to be able to be available. Um, if you're too busy for people, you're too busy, you know? 100%. Yeah, that's great. And I strive to be available and think about impact rather than busyness. So work and progress and something I, I think a lot about because, um, yeah, life's too short to be focused on the wrong things. That's, that's a word. And be seen as the guy that was too busy for the social event or for people. Hmm. Well, just to encourage you, man, I don't think there's anybody that knows you that's like, man, Jeremy just doesn't care about me. Like you exude care. Like you live it out on a day to, on a day-to-day basis, and people feel that. And you know, uh, I, I love the saying of like people won't remember uh, what you people won't remember what you said. They'll remember how they how you made them feel. Yeah, that's good. And uh, I think you'll. I think. I know that you're going to be able to live a life that like people will look back and like, man, that guy made me feel cared for. Oh, thanks man. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. A lot of that just goes back to paying it forward. What was uh, done for me and invested in me when I had no business being somebody who was uh, believed in or invested in. And um, just knowing the way that made me feel and gave me hope when I could have continued to tailspin and be dead by now. That's real. That's the reality, right? And to, to be able to pay that forward is, is an honor and a blessing for sure. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you coming on here. I'm going to let you go here. But uh, just from me to you, man, thanks for being that guy for me too. Of You took a chance on this neck tattooed guy from who knows where. And I don't know, he looks a little wild. And man, he just talks a lot. But thanks for taking a chance on me, man. Like you... Again, just to say it again, like you live out what you talk about. Thanks, um, man. And I'm so geeked to be around people like you and Matt and James and Dalen. Like I just thanks, bro. Like I told you the other night, leader is the best thing that ever happened to me. Like besides my faith and my family. But that's awesome. Has it, have you told the story on the podcast of how you made it to leader? No, that's a that's a really good idea. Do we have a time limit that we have to hit, or do you have a couple minutes to tell the story? No, I mean if you got time, I got time. All right, you tell it from your perspective, and then I'll tell it from mine. I don't know if I've told you the full story, so we'll we'll use the podcast as an opportunity to do so. Come on. So just how I got to leader. Um, it's unconventional. I love it. I'm not going to tell my whole life story because I've told that on here a million times. But right, we'll just start at the the season when I was obviously original. I, I was working at the restaurant there and kind of just, uh, you know thinking of the ideas of what I was going to start and what I was going to do. I started my little mask business during the pandemic and was like, okay, cool. I could just, you know, launch a bunch of online products. And I think I'm about ready to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And me and God were getting good. And I felt like I was in a good place with my faith. And then 
Uh, Jordan Wolf, our first AE, shout out to Jordan, had been coming in because he was living across the street and he was coming in every day. And I'm sure he was working on his pipeline and sending emails. I now know what he was doing. And uh, <laughs> he told me that he was part of this startup thing. And he told me about it all the time. And I had no idea what he was talking about because I was not listening to understand. Then one day he brings all you guys in and he was getting ready to move back home to Oregon. And he brought all you guys in, the leader sales team. And I was, I was serving and having a great time and just like, wow, this is great. These are cool people. Uh, and uh, yeah. And so then I went over the, that night to say goodbye to Jordan and Katie, um, just kind of send them off. And he had a couple glasses of wine and said, hey, man, like, really, like, listen to what we're doing. I think you really need to be a part of this. And this is where we're at. And man, I, I left that night and was like, I just had this feeling in my gut. I was like, oh, Lord, like, I need to pray about this and bring some other people in. And then and then I hit you up on LinkedIn and you're like, Hey, can you talk in like seven minutes? Classic I startup. Like, I was man. like, well, I can talk in like, I, I that's, can't actually, that's slow for us. <laughs> Is it? I was like, that's incredible. This guy said, and you were very specific. You didn't say 10. I think it was seven <laughs> or eight. I had to look back and find the message. And I was like, I'm about to hop on a church thing, but I got, I can in like 45 minutes. And within an hour, we were having a 30 minute conversation and I talked to you. We didn't, you weren't pitching me leader. You were like, Hey, just tell me about yourself. And bro, we connected and I knew right then I was like, I got to be a part of this. And, uh, yeah. the rest is history, man. So that's awesome. It'd be Jordan, interesting to hear your side real quick. Yeah. Jordan's like the oh, best a legend, bro. Yeah. That guy's a legend. He's like the best recruiter we've ever, you know, we've ever seen the guy brought you and Robbie to leader. Talk about him. a couple passionate legends. Well, um, it's similar. Hmm. So I went to uh, the restaurant that you worked at, Urban Shout Rio. Urban Rio. Urban Rio. And that was for like a team happy hour. Mm-hmm. And Jordan had, you know, let me know that you worked there. And uh, of course, you were our server. And I will tell you, like, I've probably been to what, thousands of restaurants, maybe. Like, you were literally one of the best servers i have ever seen okay. uh, you're the best non-owner server i've ever seen so let, let me tell you what i mean by that uh you've probably been to a restaurant before and the owner comes to your table and engages you in a way that you're like okay this guy owns this place and makes you feel like really special and you can just sense that that person has a serious sense of pride about what they're doing you were serving as if you were the owner and you don't see that from you don't see that from people who don't own the establishment, and uh, it definitely caught my attention. But here's the part I never told you: hmm. the tattoos, like at first, threw me off, hmm. and that is that is pretty embarrassing for me to say, because I'm the guy who went through rehab three times and have. Uh, all sorts of tattoos. You just can't see them, right? It's like uh, my first uh, perception was one of like, is this guy the real, like, is he the real deal? Like, it looks like, you know, is he going to jive with, you know, this team? Like, you know, because you know, we have a lot of folks that are, you know, have a, had a pretty steady, easy life, you know, and, and pretty conventional. I shouldn't say easy. And obviously I could tell there was a non-conventional background. And so that was my first question is like, is, uh, is Kyle going to, um, 
fit in? Is he the real deal? Cause you also had this passion and I'm like, like, is that real? Like, or is that just kind of a facade? And so, um, this is me being transparent, like totally was like wanting to pressure test, uh, to make sure it was the real deal. And man called you seven minutes after that LinkedIn post, had a chat and I'm like, okay, this is a kindred spirit. Like this guy's been through some stuff, but he's better as a result of the challenges and, um, hardships that you went through and man, you have been unbelievable uh such a cultural like spark plug and catalyst for leader not just the the sdrs but for leader and a tremendous example as to what optimism and belief uh do for your success so um a sorry for the initial judgment on the neck tattoo Uh, i did it to myself (laughs) <laughs> no and then b man i'm inspired by you and you don't even know how many people you're impacting like nobody really gives you feedback unfortunately you hear it like years down the road sometimes but you will you'll hear years down the road uh of, of kind of the impact that you're having in this season man so i'm honored to work with you i learned from you on a daily basis and i'm, I'm inspired by your story and just the way you go about your day-to-day with optimism and gratitude. So thanks, thanks for having me on the podcast. This was fun. Yeah, dude. Thanks I probably talked it. too much. So this probably went nope. way longer than normal. You know, what's so funny is every guest says that like, I probably talked too much. I'm like, well, that, that's the reason I brought you on here is to talk. So yeah. Feel any shame. I took that's a little bit of here. liberty to chat, uh, to talk longer just because Come I figured on. that's why you wanted, you know, me to be on the pod, but uh, yeah, bro, man, super, by the way, what's the license plate? behind you it says kls oh yeah so what, my mother's name catherine catherine linnell smith hey shout yeah. out to catherine shout out to catherine she's been on the pod before i've had she my has. dad on I here and my mom dad. yeah Episode yeah i just love so robin's gonna come on here in a couple weeks as well ah. i'm just gonna have all the greatest people i know on here robin's awesome she's incredible yeah she's hey great. thanks again man i really appreciate your time and you just sharing your heart and i'm so excited to be on this journey with you man like i know i say it but like you i hope you know i believe it bro like i'm i'm of the uh the again there's several people there with this mentality that uh you're gonna have to get you're gonna have to kick me away man i'm not leaving i'm not going anywhere <laughs> you're gonna have to do something god forbid we fire you dalen and robbie you guys would go <laughs> get like a three-man tent oh we're coming back bro <laughs> and just camp outside of the leader yeah, good hq luck. <laughs> oh i don't doubt it i'm good the luck. same way man yeah i know um, you are give me a Give me a tent and I'm showing up the next day. Bob Goff style. Come on. Well, thanks again, man. I appreciate you being on here. By the way, I actually, during this podcast, uh, drank 32 ounces of water, which is two pounds. So I actually hit your two pound goal (laughs) in this one hour podcast. So it's taken you a month. uh, (laughs) What it took me one hour to do. I feel attacked and challenged and convicted all at once. It's amazing. Sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. (laughs) Thanks again, man. You're an inspiration. I love you, man. Love you, bro.